bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for Bring Them Out with your hosts, Joel Richardson and Alan Hill. Hey everybody, we're here at the Sunnybrook Ballroom inside the Speakeasy for another episode of Bring Them Out. I'm Alan Hill, here with Soul Joel himself, Joel Richardson. And today we have a very special guest, a really funny man, <laughs> and I never get to say, to say this to any other guest we've had before or ever again, my mom's favorite comedian. No way, really? Yep. <laughs> That's the whole reason why I do this. Yeah. So, we, we, I just have this thing where I just want people's moms to like, <laughs> off camera, Steve we Simone, did a little by the way. Chris Farley banter, but that was just to throw you off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Farley, the absolute fact. <laughs> Oh. Do you remember that Saturday Night Live on Mother's Day special? They all got to bring their uh, moms oh. out, and you got to see Farley's mom when she was so proud. And it just, oh. I was like, I want to do that for my mom once. Oh, that's so cool. I just want my mom to be happy. You know yeah. what was one of the coolest things ever, speaking about moms and comedy? Like, I've always been fascinated with comedy, like from the time I was a little kid. And uh, I hated school. So uh, I would try to be sick as much as I could to not go. Yes. <laughs> you don't look well. Yeah. I was like, Mom, uh, I feel terrible. <laughs> what kind of mother would send me to school? When the, you know? So I loved it. And I would like post up. And there was a local daytime talk show in the 80s in Philly. I think, I think the guy's name might have been like Richard Bay or something. It was a local Philadelphia. And the reason why this is cool is because it was shot in Philly. But the guest was Robin Williams' mom. Whoa. And it was so cool interviewing Robin Williams' mom about what he was like as a kid. That. that, And and as a little kid, I was like, wait, you could be normal? And, like, I still, in my brain, I still, I thought comedians were, like, ninjas or pirates or clowns. (laughs) Yes, yes. You heard of them, but you have that. Yeah, like, they're awesome, but, like, I'm going to go sell insurance. Yes. They're they're (laughs) mythical creatures. Yes, (laughs) mythical creatures. So was that the moment you thought it was relatable and that, that, like, being a comic was possible? How old were you? I was probably, like, eight. Oh, wow. You know what the impression was? I was so happy that a son could make their mom that happy. Oh, that's wow. Does that wow. make sense? Yeah. Like, she was just, like, thrilled. And I was like, I love my mommy so much. I want her to be that happy one day. It's <laughs> like, the sweetest thing ever, yeah, man. But it's true. It's I so remember. cool. It's so cool. Dude, and the thing is, is uh, so so we met over the pandemic, Alan and I. Uh, well, you and I did as well. But So he would come, and, and a huge fan of comedy comes all the way from Lancaster, an Whoa. hour away. Yeah. and I want to move there. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. Like, as soon as I have enough cash, I want to move somewhere around here. Like, if oh. I... I would love to, like, to have, like, land and grow stuff. Yeah, I heard, yeah. I heard Lancaster County has, like, some of the best soil in the – in all honesty. 100%. Yeah. Sorry, this isn't funny. I'm like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> if, I have, if my credit ever gets good enough to purchase something. <laughs> we'll, we'll set up a showing of some choice properties for you, Steve. Because <laughs> I think Amish people are the best. Yes, yes, yes. They make the greatest donuts in the world. It's worth it just for the – I heard you're oh. not a big fan of electricity. <laughs> Dude, I think the way the world's going, we're all going to be living there in a little bit. I'm like, I want to be close to the Amish. I'll be like, Jebediah, how do I skin this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> so uh, on the way home, he'll ask his mom uh, on several shows, do you enjoy the show? She, she goes, I liked watching you laugh. Like, she won't say that she didn't or didn't. That's the sweetest mom thing ever. Yeah, right. But on the way home from your show, she said... She said, who is that guy? This is when you opened up for Jessica Curson in the Dome last night. Oh, yeah. That was was such a great last-minute gig. Thank you. She's so nice. Yeah, but then she came back to see you headline because of that. She demanded to know when you were going to be performing here again. And it just happened to be the next week, so we came right back and saw you again the next week. Oh, that's the best. (laughs) Now I feel bad. It's so nice. I'm like... But I'm not that good. <laughs> yeah, I wish I love, was funnier, Alan's mom. If you loved my 20, you're going to dread my hour. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you could use a puppet. They're always funny. <laughs> okay, I got it. This is world-breaking news. All right, so uh, my first time playing Vegas, this is like 20 years ago. Uh, Eleanor, who we all love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Kerrigan, knew, I assume. Yeah. She knew the booker of the Riviera. And this sounds like lies, but it's real. Yeah, yeah. The comedy booker of the Riviera is one of my all-time favorite actors. 
His name's Steve Sharippa. Yeah. Sopranos. Like Bobby Baklava. Yeah, he was such... Dude, like, that guy did, like... did. I thought he was maybe the best actor ever from The Sopranos. He was great. Because he was menacing when he had to be. But there was something so sweet, sweet about him. And the way he would interact with Uncle Junior, it, like, melted my heart. It was like, man... Like, remember when Uncle Junior got, uh, whatever. The, the hand stuck in the garbage disposal? Yeah, yes, I do remember. Stuff. Sweetest Bobby Bacala moment ever is when uh, he shows up dressed to the the nines to go hunt to in the meadow. The, the greatest. And his look of disappointment when Tony makes fun of him. Yeah, he could do it. He has a very John Candy-esque ability to be vulnerable. That's so cool. I get. Yeah, you were so He's, right. And, and, dude, he was, do you remember when he kicked Tony's ass? Yes. Dude, he was. During like, the, the Monopoly game or whatever yes. it was. Right? Under the boardwalk. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I'm like, Bobby. Like, he's the only guy. I love, like, I hope he gets to see this because he's like, if, if, if Steve Sharippa walked in here, I'd get, like, nervous and starstruck and just stare at my feet and probably have an excuse to That's leave. so cool. Because he's so, like, such a great actor. So, anyway, he was booking the Riviera. And because he liked Eleanor or whatever, they needed, like, just MCs. Mm -hmm. And I bombed horrifically. No. Oh, yeah. I wasn't ready for it because at that time, my whole comedy experience was pretty much opening up for Paulie Shore. Dice let me open up for him a little bit. So it was, like, a much younger party kind of crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my act at the time was, like, Burt Kreischer-esque. Like, I wanted to be the life of the party. But at the Riv, it was all grandparents. And oh. and it just didn't connect. Your life yeah. of the party didn't go over. Yeah, and plus, <laughs> probably now, I would have the confidence. Even I bet you, what, I was just in my head yeah. going back to that. I was all. This is true. Whenever I used to do comedy, I was always afraid somebody in the audience would know my mom. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's like because like you remember when you were a little kid. You would do something, and somehow your mom just found out. Yes. Yeah, like because the moms know they yeah. all did it, did it, did it. Newsflash: yeah. Stephen had matches. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I come home, I'm like, Mom, how'd you? She's like, I always know. Um, so <laughs> I, you had, you had the growing up game of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. Except yeah. it's my mom. You're like, yeah. who knows her? Yes. How many degrees yes. away? Yes, 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 perfect. yes. How many landline conversations is that to go yes. through? Landline yes. conversations. Yeah. Yep. It was like, and then like in the old TV shows, they pick up the phone and splits the screen, and somebody else. Picks yeah, up yeah, the yeah. Yeah, some, some old lady in black and white is pulling out wires. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to go right back to Delco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He did what? Steve and Anthony. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> oh, be mad. Be mad. No, yeah. yeah. Of all the things you could have done in Vegas, you bombed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? So that's why I was in my head. Like, I would always be afraid to say something or whatever. Now, like, retired people are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Grandparents. I'm working on a whole new bit on grandmothers. How I really think like grandmother prayers are the most powerful thing in the world. Oh, that's awesome. Like I've met people and I'm like, yeah, you must have a good grandmother. Really? Yeah, for sure. Anyway, but that I don't want to get into anyway. So I'm bombed, right? (laughs) Horrible. (laughs) And uh, this woman came up to me afterwards and she was so sweet. She it's one thing to bomb. That's part of it. That's part of being a comic. But it's another thing to bomb and have the audience like you at the same time. Oh. Because then they just feel bad for you. Right. No one wants to see that. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So then this lady came up to me and she was like, do you know how to play guitar? I I go, no. She goes, the guy that played guitar did pretty good. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And then she looked at me and she was like, ooh, maybe you could get a puppet. They're always funny. (laughs) So then I I'll remember. get someone else's voice. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember coming back and I did this bit and this like 20 years ago. And I was like, if I don't make it in 10 years, I'm just going to do a puppet of my dad. Oh, I no. go, I'm not going to be a ventriloquist because if you're dumb enough to think the puppet's talking, you're not going to notice my lips. <laughs> right. So this year for Christmas, my big brother got me a. Uh, a Russ, a, a, a Ruppet, because my dad's name's Russ, and it's a puppet that looks like my dad. <laughs> Ruppet. Yeah, so I can't wait to play Russ. Oh, that's awesome. It's going to be so much fun. That's awesome. Hey, buddy. Wait, wait so you were there. Can the I whole... get a bite of that cheesesteak? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's the best. It's going to be the best. That's so awesome. Like, what else are you going to do while you're home? <laughs> that's it. Oh. Gazos was sold out. <laughs> can't win them all, buddy. Wait, but so were you there all week? All week bombed. 
two shows tonight. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, did not wait, have so one good show. Wait, wait. Well, the last show was pretty good. Wait, you bombed oh. 13 straight times, yeah. and then the 14th time you figured it out. Yeah, but it was just uh, better. It wasn't, <laughs> I didn't figure anything out. <laughs> yeah, oh, but you know what? You know what the lesson was? When I came back to L.A., it, w- it was a great lesson, so maybe young comics are watching this. Yeah. So I, was, I took inventory of my life. And it's like, I had a great life here in Philly. Yeah. Like, uh, I love my family more than words, more than imaginable. And I had my dream job. I was working for the Eagles. And I gave all that up to go do comedy. Wow. And my life in Los Angeles, like, I was miserable before I left, like, going through a quarter-life crisis. But then when I got to L.A., it was, like, horrible. Can I ask a quick question about the timeline? So were you doing comedy in Philly while you were working for the Eagles? Not much. I did a couple open mics. True story. Once again, this also sounds like lies. But I, it's another story about bombing. I bombed (laughs) horrifically. (laughs) Top, this was a top three bomb. And there was no mercy from the audience either. Yeah. It was not like they were like, maybe you could use a pulpit. It was, (laughs) it was like, you should quit. Um, at the Laugh House on South Street, oh. I bombed so bad. I'm like, I'm done. I'm never going to do this again. And then the following week for the open mic, I, I used to work out at this gym in Glen Alden called the Iron Sport Gym where they would just give you a code to the door. And I look and I'm like, I'm actually not that far from Philly right now. It's like a 15, 20 minute drive. So I went, I'm not going to perform. I'll just go and watch. Mm-hmm. And this guy came up to me that Wait, way. after you work out, or do you just not work out? No, I worked out. Oh, okay. Because oh, okay. I, I thought you were like, boop, boop. I'll just go to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, I can get a cheesesteak along the way. <laughs> so I go down there, and I get a I get a pep talk from a young comic named Little Kev. No. Yeah, that Shut turned out to be up. Kevin Hart. No. Yeah, he was so sweet. He was wow. so nice. The Lord works in mysterious ways. And then I just watched. Then I came back the next week to do an open mic, mm-hmm. and I murdered. Wow, murdered! Yeah, but was, you actually didn't perform. Oh, didn't you just, just got watched. It. And just, they had bar stools. We were yeah, sitting yeah, on yeah. stools in the back, and Kevin sat next to me and was like, "Hey, man, don't quit, dude. That's amazing. 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 So wow. if I ever really make it, make it, like, I, I like should write him a letter or something. <laughs> I was like legit done. I was yeah, like, like pen pal. Don't email it. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> pick out the stamps. <laughs> I used to have pen pals when I was doing my podcast. I had pen pals all over the world. What? It was the coolest. Get thing out of here. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. I, I love, love it. I friends. love it. All right. So then. <laughs> so long story short, after We're Vegas. Minute three, topic 62. <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine. <laughs> Caffeine and ADD. Not good. Wait, you thought I bobbed at Vegas. Wait till you hear this story. <laughs> Top three. Yeah, let's cover the entire top, top three. three. <laughs> you had the forever stamps? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the cool the cool cartoon ones. Because I was like, if you're getting a letter, you don't want boring, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. old people stamps. Yeah. So uh, I bomb in Vegas, and I come back, and I start to think about, like, all right, you, you had your dream job. That's what I was thinking when I bombed at the Laugh House. I'm like, you don't need to do comedy. You have a job that you actually like. And that's the one of the that might be the rarest thing in the world. Yeah, have a yeah. job that you like, no doubt. And I go, it's not my dream, but it's awesome. But then I gave all that up to move to L.A., and I was getting my head kicked in in L.A. Then I go to Vegas, and I get my head kicked in, and I looked at my life, and I said, I'm miserable, all the time. I gave up my family. I gave up my dream job. I gave up my home because of comedy the least i can do is enjoy that three minute open mic spot every week nice i realized i gave up my whole life for that three minutes and i was like okay make that your focus no matter if you bomb do great whatever appreciate the fact that you're on stage and it was like a very valuable lesson that sort of fuels my style of comedy be grateful be happy be in the moment appreciate the fact that you're there dude and that's what wow. that's what happened yeah and how old were you at this time probably like 27 so you had just done comedy enough to know that you wanted to move to la and why did you pick i L- was miserable i didn't even know i was like if comedy doesn't work out i don't know what's next like um but why did you choose LA? la over new york yes because i knew if i moved to new york i could quit home was close 
Yeah. I get it. Okay. I, I, that's I knew, exactly like, the correlation I was making. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew that, like, I knew it was, go- I didn't know how bad, I knew it was going to be bad. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how bad it was going to be. Because comedy was also dead then. There wasn't a lot of stand-up. Nothing was popping in stand-up. The comedy store was in its, like, dead zone era. There were nights that we wouldn't even have shows at the comedy store. Really? Really? Yeah, they used to have a rule that you needed six for an audience. Hmm. Interesting number. And then they would bring (laughs) it down to four. Wow. And then I remember there was one night nobody showed up. Nobody. Which doesn't even now doesn't even seem possible during all the yeah because yeah. you would hear these stories about the heyday of it, and then we were living the opposite of that. Hmm. But Mitzi Shore, the lady that founded the comedy show, literally was touched by God and a genius. Legend. And I was her assistant. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and she she would say it's my baby. She always viewed it as a nursery for stars. Wow. And she would say it's my babies that are going to make this place that are going to bring this back. And she was right because, like, I mean, the generation of comics I saw develop, it's staggering. Who were some of those people, Steve? Uh, Sebastian. Yeah. I was in the room when I saw Sebastian just click. Mm. And and I've never seen him have a rough set since then. Just non, probably the most consistent murderer out of any comic I've ever seen. Wow. Like, always murdered. Incredible. Um, My favorite, like, one of my best friends at the time. And just a force of nature, Joey Diaz. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That's I saw Joey Diaz crush in a way. He was he would host the open mics, or they would call it poppins. Mm. Uh, sometimes he would host the open mic, which was a literal open mic. Then it was poppins would be friends and family show up, go up, and he was hosting the second half of the show. And I thought the the ceiling was going to cave in. I've never seen anybody ever get laughter like that. Yeah. He so w- it's like I saw Joey Diaz. I saw Ari Shafir. I helped him. Oh, move. shit. Wow. I helped Ari move to his apartment down the street from the comedy store. Get out. Ari's always been the sweetest man. Uh, and when I was starving, he knew how much I love Chinese food. So there was a place on Melrose. It was a block away from his old apartment. And you could they would weigh the food. They paid by the pound. Or it was all you could eat, and you stuffed it into a star. I just remember. I'm familiar uh, with those places. Yeah, right? <laughs> and Ari, He's not lying. Ari would take me out for Chinese food like once a month. Incredible. Oh, dude. And that, and that sounds like a, such a small gesture, but it's such a big That's deal. It's huge when you're poor, man. Time, you know? Oh, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, the greatest. I'm oh, that's cry amazing. I'm when I think about all the people I, that are my friends. It's, like now, I don't live in L.A. I live like in middle like like rural florida and like i'll just talk to people and then they look at me like what how do you you know because i know everybody yeah, right, yeah, yeah. They're, right, they're right. Like my yeah. legit friends and like yeah. i've seen my friends become famous it's yeah, a, dude, it must uh, be so cool man it's the cool like i remember just like hanging out with joe rogan at the comedy store <laughs> just hanging out yeah and i remember i think i told him this like this like 20 years ago i'm like you're gonna be the oprah for dudes Oh, I love it. And that's essentially what he became. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back then, because he was like, just the dude that was- He would just was... hold court. He, he, he was, was just the coolest guy, and he was like this. He would have conversations. We would, Everybody would hang out at the back door of the comedy store, or we used to call it the waitress table. Mm. And it was like this old little mirrored table from the 80s, wink, um, <laughs> that like all the waitresses would do their paperwork at the end of the night, and it was a booth. And you, if you- Gotten there and then rogue it was like the coolest thing ever. Did you know Eleanor when she was still a waitress? Yes. Or was she, okay, right on, right on. Yes. I remember when Eleanor found out that I was from Delco <laughs> and my favorite comedian was Dom Irrera. She she introduced me to Dom Irrera. Oh really? Yeah, and I was starstruck. And oh. I, Mr. Irrera is my friend. Oh, it's beautiful. It's thing. so cool. Dreams can happen, kid. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Well, that, and that's what I was gonna say. It was uh, I've heard that uh, that Joey Diaz when he first did Joe Rogan's podcast was like, "What on your computer in your living room? No, <laughs> <laughs> not dog. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, you might have been on the church more than any other person. I mean, you have the, like episode yeah. after episode of the church of what's happening now, man. Yeah, and I had no idea that that was the biggest thing in the world. It was huge. I was like, I should have tried to be funnier. Maybe I would have been fit. <laughs> but it's you, like when you're hanging out with Uncle Joey, just, I'm just sitting there. He's the greatest, funniest, most naturally funniest, greatest dude ever. Man. Like, I will say this. There are great comedians, but Joey's in his own categories. I'm, I mean, I've been a student of comedy my whole life, and there's funny, and then there's great comic. and But then 
to me, Joey Diaz is he's literally it's like watching a hurricane. He's a force of nature. There's no way to analyze what he's doing and learn from it. When when I would Mitzi would have us work the door at the comedy store. And in hindsight, I can see the genius behind it because she wanted us to learn. Mm -hmm. She wanted us to observe. And you can learn so much from watching comedy. But then you see what Joey Diaz does and you're like. That's unlearnable. Yeah, that's that's just, truly a gift from that's God. That's just him. That's just him. I saw him walk out on the stage at Magoobies in, in Maryland. Nice. And it's the only time I've ever seen him. And his presence mm -hmm. was bigger than anything I've ever been around in my life. Yeah. It was astonishing. And then he just, like you said, he just murdered. But the presence, murdered. just walking out on the stage, I'll never forget. Never forget it. Now that's Christmas is one of my favorite sad Christmas stories. So the first Christmas I um, spent in Los Angeles. And I was too poor to go home. And I was sharing a one-bedroom apartment with my buddy Stevie. It was a Section 8 apartment because he had cerebral palsy. Well, mm. he still does. And, <laughs> yeah, it's not like he, Yeah, at and, the time. Yeah, but he was a straight gangster. Like, Stevie was a gangster. Like, literally. I have a million stories. But he went home for Christmas. I'm in the apartment by myself. And on Christmas Eve, Uncle Joey called me up. This was Christmas of 2001. And he was like, come on over. I got some fish. It's Christmas Eve. Let's celebrate it. And I was too depressed to go. Oh. But it just meant the world to me that he cared. He didn't want me to be alone. That's amazing. And man. he knew. He knew. Yeah. Joey's the best. That's amazing. I would say, like, that's one thing. I, I think it shines through. I think any, any fan of Ari's or Joey's, knows that there's this unbelievable heart and soul behind everything they do. Okay. And it, they're not on the nose about it. They don't talk about it. But they're two of the best people I've ever met. Well, and it's it's an honor to call them friends. Not because they're the most famous comedians in the world right sure. now. But they're just great people. Well, that's it's like Jimmy cool. Schubert. Jimmy Schubert, the same the thing. And he I just got off the phone with him. Well, he deflects really? the way, awesome. same way that you deflect. Where he can't like sit on a compliment, and I, and I brought up the fact that Bobby Lee talked about him on his podcast, where uh, you know he's he's, he's like at, at the time I needed to eat, yeah. and Jimmy Schubert, I'm living out of my car. Jimmy Schubert pays for a meal, and it meant the biggest thing to my. And uh, Jimmy, he goes, "There's a million stories out there like that, but you don't see me telling them." <laughs> 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 and I was like, all right, <laughs> we will change the subject. Jimmy Schubert. Jimmy Schubert. When I was a little kid watching Robin Williams' mom get interviewed, I had a, 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 a conception of what a comedian was, yeah. and yeah. it's Jimmy Schubert. <laughs> he is always funny. That's awesome. Always yeah. funny. Yeah. Dude, He's had, always funny. We had but dinner he, with him. Joel, you go. You tell it. Well, I, I was just going to say, like, like, like we, we were having a heart-to-heart -heart moment, but he couldn't take that. that he had, always funny. Yeah, he had well, – well, so we sat down, and, and I, I, I made – I said one thing. I asked him one question, and he went off. Jimmy did 45 minutes 45, over dinner. Yeah. 45 minutes. He <laughs> sat at minute 14. I go, you haven't missed anything. He's still talking about the same thing. He's <laughs> <laughs> just the best, man. But so the, funny. But those man. are the so old funny. school guys you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and and uh, what, So for any young comics that might watch this, what's your best advice when you're in a room mm -hmm. uh, with those guys? Do you, do you try to interject at oh, all that's a great or just question. listen? I'm naturally shy. Right. So my, I shut up. Like yeah. I, I don't try to upstage them. No. Interject. No. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful to be there. So I don't know if it's my personality talking or if it's real advice. I would say don't force anything. Okay. You know, like and honestly, I think it's always better to be quiet than to say something that you'll regret. Because mm. I, I, I know, like, sometimes, like, when I'll work with younger comics, like, you can see they're, like, trying to, like, be like, this is how comedian acts. And it's like, yeah. dude, just relax. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, yeah. Just a, it's the greatest job in the world, yeah. but it's just the like, job. Like, you said your new grandmother bit you're working on, and then yeah. you didn't do it, but they would have said it. They would have yeah. worked on it. You'd be like, oh, I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell it on stage later. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Like, I remember when I was a young comic, like, when I first started to headline... I'd be like, let me see how long I could do. Right. You know? 
and now it's the opposite. I'm like, what's the least amount of time until we can put a bow on this <laughs> thing and get yeah, out well, of let here? Me, let me take a look the at that staff contract. Like, just drop the check. <laughs> Dude, there are times where I'll see a room and I pull up and I'm going through my emails. I'm like, 45 to an hour? Done at 45. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at that. 46. <laughs> <laughs> One minute of overtime. <laughs> far, guy from, far cry from the guy looking forward to his three minutes a week, right? Yeah. And that's oh, amazing right. how so that journey true. goes, yeah, huh? gratitude, right? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Big but, part of your podcast back in the day. 100%. Yeah, man. No, no, looking back, do you do you know what, when you're at the comedy store like that you were like living a movie? You know what I mean? Like I, I know you're probably survival mode. You're, you're Mitzi's assistant. I like. Do you know part, what you're going honestly, through? Honestly, part of it was the belief that it would get better. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think hope is necessary to survive horror, <laughs> and it was horrible. But I had hope, and I remember Mitzi. There were times where it was not easy taking care of her, and it dawned on me that for the rest of my life, I could be in a room with one of my comedic heroes, and I could say. I got a Mitzi story for you. Yeah. And I remember her 80th birthday, God rest her soul. I, I love Mitzi. Mm. I just don't know me. Paulie Shore is one of my best friends. That's insane. Yeah, that's a kid cr- that grew up watching MTV. That's crazy. And Paulie's another world, world-class sweetheart. Like, world-class sweetheart. And uh, Ari and I, was me, Ari, and Whitney Cummings mm. were the only, like, really young comedians that were invited to Mitzi's 80th, her 80th birthday at her house. Which just sounds crazy right it's now. Like, insane, you guys would yeah. be ho- all Imagine holding court right now. when I'm sitting next to Jim Carrey like he's just there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was... That Hello, was, James. Yeah. <laughs> hey, James. Mitzi says she signed your immigration papers to come into this country. <laughs> she did? Get really? out of town. Yeah. She signed his green card. Wow. She threw, he had a sitcom that I loved when I was, like, seven years old. Jim Carrey, like I said, I was a um, comedy nerd and Mm -hmm. studied comedy. So Jim Carrey, and I always loved to draw and animation and cartoons. Well, Jim Carrey's first sitcom in like 1982 was uh, a TV show called The Duck Factory. Hmm. And it was about uh, the people that make cartoons. It was about animation. I can't believe I don't remember this. And he got interviewed because he was like the star. He was getting ready to explode. And it didn't really happen happen for him till ten years after. Right. What with Living Color? Yes, but um, he got interviewed, and he said when he was because he used to make a lot of faces and stuff. Yeah. And he said every day he would make faces in the mirror, and and when I was a little kid, everything was an instruction guide. Everything on TV was an. And he's still being interviewed. I turned up the TV and I ran into the bathroom and started to make faces in the mirror. Awesome. Really. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. Like yeah. I heard he like th- three, four hours a day, right? He would do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes longer. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool, dude. So crazy. I remember seeing Once Bitten. Yeah, the a vampire movie. Yeah, which was a little after the sitcom, but mm-hmm. still before Living before Color. color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the last virgin in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dude, that's wild. <laughs> so so wait, wait, when, when did you stop being Mitzi's assistant? She fired me. Oh. Yeah, so I would, is, if, if I so knew that was the answer, happened. I wouldn't ask. No, the it's question. pretty cool. <laughs> it's a it's a good story. That's awesome. And uh, so, I was her assistant for like a year, and this was my life. I was living with a recently divorced, three hundred and thirty pound ex Elvis impersonator. Oh. God rest his soul, my buddy James was like Whoa. five foot four, three thirty. Get out of town! And he kept the pompadour. Get out! He kept out. the Elvis pomp. <laughs> Elvis Did he do the jumpsuit a... Elvis, like seventies Elvis. <laughs> Elvis after a bender. His <laughs> license plate on his Pontiac Sunbird convertible. His license plate said "Doo Wop." <laughs> you better believe he had it. Had a did. giant pinky ring. <laughs> Everything so about him was over the top. The best. Love yeah. this guy already. Oh, uh, the gr- uh, <laughs> so I didn't have a car. And I'd either who needs one when that's in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty little angel eyes, hop in. Pretty little angel eyes. <laughs> Pretty little angel. Pretty little angel. Yeah. No, oh, we're sharing God. one right now. Dude, I, I if in. I wrote a sitcom about those early years in LA, nobody would believe it. Oh. It was beyond. I mean, because how I mean, do you, the how kid with cerebral palsy kicked me out for a stripper. <laughs> then I'm like, like, when I said he was a gangster, he was a gangster. He's a gangster. He was like. Well, if I have to choose, he was like, I understand what you're saying, but if I have to choose between her and you, 
but, hit the bricks, yeah, Chevy. I'm going but, Steve, every time. my question to you is, there was no Craigslist. How did you meet these characters? Comedy <laughs> store. Oh, really? Oh, that yeah, makes comedy sense. Comedy store okay. was an epicenter for... Oh, but they weren't... They were comics? Or they? Yeah. Oh, oh, All oh, comedians. Oh, 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 who happened to also be an impersonator. Yes. The, yeah, well, he went from Elvis impersonator to stand-up comic. God rest wow. his soul. Wow. Very talented. Yeah, heart guy. attack. Oh, it's worse. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, sorry. And I can't get into it. I'll okay. Sorry, sorry, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, oh. So, what was the question was about? I was, oh, so I got fired from the job. So, like, I really do believe in God because there's too much in my life. It's not coincidence. So, I won a stand-up comedy contest in Philly um, where... The finals were at the TLA, Theater of Living Get out, Arts, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Reynolds South Street, yeah. And Pauly Shore hosted it. Get out! And I was so, like, I had such a Philly mindset that I'm like, there's no way I'm going to win. They're not going to let... I'm like, it's all fixed. There's no yeah, way yeah. you're going to win. How are they going to break my heart? Yeah, how are they going to break my heart? Yeah. So I'm perfect. like, just have fun. And I, my seven-minute set was about, like, how I can't get girls. And it was just, like, the seventh-grade dance... No girls would dance with me, so I would just break dance and act like an idiot. And I closed it on like doing the break dance, move the worm the across worm. the stage. You did the worm? Yeah, and the yes. place went crazy. Yes. So then Paulie comes out because he's hosting the contest, and he has me do the worm with. I didn't know he was a break no. dancer. We do the worm together off the stage. You had already been living in LA at this point. No, you're no this, was, this is way before. Way yeah. before. Oh, so that's how I met pa- Paulie. Discovered me. I met Paulie that's before crazy. I got to LA. That's God. Because I remember my mom going, "Well, maybe Hollywood will come to you." And I'm like, "Mom, that's not how it works." <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or it not, did. your mom was awesome and right. Yeah, always. right. Always. Wow. Um, that's wild. That's wild. Incredible. Incredible. Insane. Um, because I'd already so you and Paulie wormed on stage together. Yeah, in two, th- it was <laughs> so, two thousand June. That's a great June set. I remember the date, June second, two thousand. So twenty three, almost twenty four years ago. So Paulie's like family to me. Joey Diaz is family. Wow. he's really my uncle Joey. Incredible. Ari, when Ari comes to Florida, he sleep. I moved my parents in. Ari sleeps over. My mom makes him. She gets his list of food. Before he comes in, all of his favorite drinks and snacks, makes frittatas, lasagnas. She's got his rider. She's got his rider. (laughs) Here, Ari, I know this is your favorite. And it's like, Ari will put on eight pounds. He's like, we got to stop you. (laughs) Seriously. He's like, I can't break your mom's heart. But he's like, I'm getting fat. Seriously, but, <laughs> but then art. you see Paulie on Melrose, and you start worming. Like, how, like so. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm delivering pizza. There's so much to that. So anyway, I meet Paulie. I don't. I'm doing open mics at the store, but I don't have a job there. Paulie gives me a a job on the set of his movie. I'm a production assistant, carrying all this stuff. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm carrying a a, a couch by myself because nobody else wanted to work, and I'm pissed. And I'm carrying a cat, like a love seat, something like this big by myself Jeez. over my head. Like, because I'm mad at the world. <laughs> and I'm going down the steps. Paulie's walking up the steps. I come home. It's probably 3.30 in the morning. Cause we, and we started shooting at 8 o'clock. So it's almost 24 hours later. He calls me and he's like, hey, dude, I'm going to get you a job at the store. So you don't have to worry about signing up for open mics. Get a job at the stores. Meet Ari. Meet Renazizi. Meet Bobby Lee. Joey Diaz is the second person ever to put me on stage there. So these become my family, my surrogate family. Wow. And um, Mitzi was firing assistants. She hated everybody. No, no. And it comes down to like somebody's got to do it. And they're like, all right, we'll send you over. She'll fire you by the end of the day. I stayed with her for a year. Wow. 365. Yeah. So you had an epic run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah over yeah. a year. And then uh, wow. at the time, the only time I would get a break because I was working at the store, telemarketing, pizza places. Then when I got Mitzi's assistant job, I'd do that from like 10 o'clock, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, literally get her out of bed. And I'd have, if I didn't have to work the door at the comedy store, it was the only reason I was allowed to leave. If not, I'd put her into bed at night. Wow. And then um, walk to the comedy store afterwards and see if somebody would give me a ride home at the end of the night. So the only break I would get would go out on the road opening up for Paulie. Mm. Right. And somebody would have to cover. So after about a year, maybe a year and a half, me, Ari and Steve Renazizi are going to open up for Paulie at a comedy club run by his sister in Palm Springs. Okay. 
Mitzi knew that I would open up for Paulie. She knew that. So me, Ari, Ranazizi, it's a casino. We're going to have fun. We're backstage. And the manager of the comedy store at the time was this woman named Shelly. And she, she's like, hey, Polly, I got your mom here. And I'm like, what? And uh, Mitzi came to the show. Now, here's the thing. I would be, I was doing really well with comedy, but whenever Mitzi was in the room, I'd get nervous. Mm. And it wouldn't work. First couple times, before I really, before I was her assistant, I could do fine. Mm-hmm. But then when I started to realize who she was, like it hit me and I would get in my head and it wouldn't work. Okay. Like I remember once I bombed so bad in front of her. This is a true story. She used to have this list in the back with everybody's name showcasing for her. And like I said, the club wasn't that busy at the time. And there's a night where maybe there's five people in the audience. but she, And I'm like, she's not going to showcase us. She actually showed up and showcased us. And if she liked you, she would circle your name. That meant you got passed. Okay. If she didn't like you, she'd scratch your name off the list. Mm-hmm. I bombed so horrifically. I literally heard her from the back of the room scratching my oh, name. Oh, that's, oh, that's tough. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> so, and you're still on stage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Two minutes in, I'm like, oh. Uh, then there were times I crushed in front of her. Like once I found one of her lists, because you try to look at it when you're driving her home. Imagine showcasing <laughs> for her and have to drive her home. Whoa. And she had my name circled with three stars around it. Oh. Wow. And I'm like, that's got to be good. I'm yeah. like, guess who's getting passed? Nope. No passing. Really? Nothing. And I found so out you're later. her assistant, but yeah. not passed. Okay, so this, this is how I lost the oh, job, and oh, we'll sorry. get back to it. Yeah. So, uh, Paulie has this, me, Ari, run is easy. Like, she saw other comedians after us. I know she passed Justin Martindale, great comic. She saw him at a Bringer show. One of the last times she was in the club and passed him. So, I think he might be the last comedian she passed. But me, Ari, and run is easy were the last three to go through her system. Mm. Where really? she, you go from open mic to door guy to regular wow so, that's heavy man yeah it's incredible um that's cool it's that's such so a legacy cool. that's incredible it's incredible <laughs> so um we go to open up for paulie and paulie's like this is a good thing you guys are going to get passed tonight sometimes my mom has to see you outside the or and he was like figure it out whatever the order is i don't care i just want you guys to kill have a good time and get passed and become regulars and uh, me, Art, we're like, what are we going to do? And I looked at Ari, and I looked at Steve, and I went, you guys have a shot. I go, I don't. She doesn't like me. She thinks she doesn't think I'm funny. I go, I'll go first. When I say I crushed, I told you stories about bombing. I destroyed that room out of the MC spot. Destroyed it. Cold, easy, cold open. Cold open. Destroyed. Cold open. Destroyed. Wow. Because you went up there with house money. Yeah. No, no, no pun intended. Uh, well, I honestly thought, I, I, no matter how good or bad, I'm not going to get passed. Yeah. And my no job pressure. is to bring the energy up for my friends. Yeah. My whole job was to set the table for Ari and Steve because they're my two best friends. Yeah. Ren is easy. He's got a cigarette dangling on his mouth, a cocktail. He's like, woo, guess who just got passed? And I'm like, nah, I don't think so, dude. He goes, what are you talking about? She's going to have to pass her. You murdered. Yeah. You killed. But it wasn't in her house. Oh, sorry. So after the show... Shelly comes back. She goes, Mitzi wants to talk to you guys. And Ren Azizi and Ari are like, we're getting past. I go, I, I, this isn't good. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's got to be good. She's going to tell, she wants to t- pass us. And then Shelly looks at us and she goes, oh, it's not good. <laughs> so she calls us outside. Club's empty. Mitzi's sitting at a table. It's me, Ari, and Steve. She made us get down on our knees to talk to her. And she was like, you're not ready for this. She was like, you. Points to me. She's like, Steve, how many names? You know that van you drive me around in? I used to drive a comedy store van that had all these names of people on it. She goes, do you know how many names are on there? I'm like, no. She goes, that's because you don't know S-H-I-T. You don't know S. She was like, there's 37 names on that van. You know what they all have in common? They're millionaires. And you want to know why they're millionaires? Because they did it my way. She was like, you're not ready. You three aren't ready for the road. She was like, you want to go get lost on the road and become a nobody? Or do you want to do it my way and become a star? We were all like, what? And she's talking down, but then I'm like, wait a second. 
does that mean she cares about me? And uh, I came and took the bus to the comedy store Monday morning. And I called over to her house. She used to have a guy named Alfred who took care of her at night. And I'm going to pick up the comedy store van at the comedy store and go pick up her groceries. And Alfred's like, uh, Mitzi's screaming in the background. Uh, Mitzi says you don't need to pick anything up. I'm like, what? All right, I'll be Mitzi says you don't need to come over. Let him know he's fired. Mitzi what? says you're fired. And I got fired for opening up for Pauly. Which you'd already been doing a ton, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then later, I got some closure on the whole situation, like years later. Mm -hmm. Um, So, man. So, Mitzi's health was getting worse. Yeah. And sometimes, like old people, it's tough. Life's so tough for them. Yeah. And sometimes she would fall, and she didn't have somebody in the house or whatever. And I'm hanging out at the comedy store, not a, not past at the club. This is years later. And the town coordinator, Tommy, picks up the phone in the cover booth. It's Mitzi. She fell. She needs somebody to go get her. And he's rattling off everybody's name. I'm like, don't even tell her I'm here. Because I thought she hated me. And he goes, well, you know, Steve Simone's here. And I hear her. I hear her voice. She goes, yeah. Send me my Stevie. Wow. What? So I get her in the bed, and we just start talking. And it was awesome. And I realized, like, I came from a very loving, warm family. And I never knew what, like, tough love was. You know, like a coach that'll kick you in the ass. And I think that's who Mitzi was for me. You know, yeah. like, she wanted to toughen me up. Wow. Obviously, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crying, crying like a baby. <laughs> that is beautiful, dude. Yeah. Dude, that's wow. crazy, crazy. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, she was a special person. But she incredible. trusted you to come into her home. Oh, yeah. And out of everyone. Of all that, you. in a tough yeah. spot, she wanted Steve. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh, my buddy Mike Black has the best story ever. Like, he was sitting at the waitress table, and this one, Mitzi, like, needed help coming down the steps mm-hmm. when she was still coming into the club. And he was like, he hears people coming down the steps, and it's Andrew Dice Clay in f- full Dice regalia. Like, <laughs> he's doing a sold-out main room show. Full-blown dice. dice. Full full dice, glasses, everything. The red, the, the black. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, Half the leather, the studs, everything. <laughs> the cigarette. And, um... And Bob Samuda dressed up as oh. Andy Kaufman's alter ego, yeah. Tony Clifton. Yes. Wow. And Dice and Tony Clifton. What an evening. Dude. Walking Mitzi down the steps. And he was like, this woman's a legend. Yes. She's like the godmother. She she helped. She, there wouldn't be stand-up comedy the way it is now. Without if her. If it wasn't for Mitzi Short. She's one of the biggest single figures in the history of stand-up of comedy, comedy in she, America. There's what stand-up comedy was before Mitzi in the comedy store and what stand-up comedy is now. 100%. I, I heard a story that Dice was the only guy that didn't have to have two jobs at the store because he was a star. Like he, like he, you know, Well, you know what she told me? She said that like he was just so motivated to make it. And like he would, he would create his own stage time. Like, Dice would go into movie theaters before the movie started oh and perform. What? Oh he would perform on buses. He would just get up in front? He would just get up and do it. Dude, the only time I ever saw anything like that was when people used to put out, pull out their cardboard sheets and break dance. Break dance. dance. You saw that? You remember that? Yeah. yeah. But Dice would put on an act? Yeah. That's incredible. Yep. <laughs> before the, the, the trailers? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Were you ever? There's a reason why he's a legend. I heard he used to run around the store with his video camera. You oh, were there got, for that? He's yeah, got yeah. Hours <laughs> of that. That's why I, I keep waiting hours. for this to emerge someday. Yep. Ari used to do this trick where he would fall from a skateboard on purpose in the boxes and stuff. <laughs> Dice would film it every time. Oh, that's awesome. And like Dice, everything's a goof to Dice. Everything's funny. It's like, yeah. it's like being forever twelve when you hang out with Andrew, the greatest, yeah. the sweetest. And my buddy Mike Black. For whatever reason, he was like, now, Mike, they tell me you're a stuntman, right? So I'm going to throw you down the steps on your head. You know how to do it. Mike's like, no, I'm not a stuntman. (laughs) What are you talking about? He's like, no, everybody said you're a stuntman. He's like, no. (laughs) Guys wanted to throw him down the steps. What the 
<laughs> Wait, what was he really? He was just a comedian. A comedian. He was a <laughs> just a comedian <laughs> like comic books. <laughs> That's incredible. That's so dice. Oh, my God. Oh, He made Joel cut the sleeves off his own merch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hilarious. He goes, dude, I've been dicing it up since 1979. He goes, yeah, he used to get his own shirts printed up that yeah. said Dice. Like, yeah. I used to babysit Dice's kids. Get out. Oh, really? Dude, that was surreal. Like, I remember seeing Dice at the Spectrum, and my seats were so bad. It's not an exaggeration. This is before the internet, before social media, when you either had to go to the Spectrum and wait in line to buy tickets, yep. or you would, could go into, like, um, a West Coast video, which was like a regional blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. had a Ticketmaster thing. Ticketmaster outlet. And you could go to the Ticketmaster outlet and buy your tickets. I got in line. Tickets go on sale at 10 o'clock. At 10.02, my tickets literally touched the ceiling of the spectrum. That's insane. That's how far That's how back. Big it he was. sold out in three minutes. That's how big he was. And I was touching the rafters. Wow. And what was it? 12 years later? I'm in his house for a barbecue. Babysitting like, his kids. Do you want cheese on your burger? And, it's, <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening to me? So, like, those wow. those years were difficult. They were challenging. But it also felt like there was something magical about all that stuff. And, like, for as challenging as they were, I knew it was going to get better. And it did. And, and I used to tell everybody, when comedy comes back, the comedy store is going to come back. And that's exactly what happened. Like the improv had the Laugh Factory. They were all doing okay during those years. There was something called UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade, and the alternative comedy scene was blowing up. But comedy really wasn't back. Mm -hmm. When all the guys that are really selling tickets now, they're all store guys. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to see all those guys develop. So cool, man. It's so cool. I mean, that's legendary stuff. Legendary. I mean, you got a book in you, bro. Oh. <laughs> that's insane. I'll be the first one to buy it. I'll be in line like you were for dice tickets. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> like, I remember during the pandemic, and you, it was one of those things, like, this is, like, day three of the lockdown, maybe mm-hmm. day two. Okay. And, like, it's scary. In L.A., it was worse than any – it was really bad. And and, and it was I used that time to sort of – get closer to God and take inventory of my life and what's going on. And it's like day two, early on during the lockdown, and Joey Diaz calls me to check in on me. I knew this is where this is going. And I'm like, this is incredible. Next phone call was Bill Burr. Oh, wait, but but what? what no, 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 don't stop. You got to say what Joey said to you. Oh, there was so Joey was my best. Like, I wouldn't have gotten two things. There's no way I go through COVID without Joey Diaz. Right. And there's no way I would have left Los Angeles without Joey being my guardian angel getting me out. Right. Because what did can you say? We're like the Marines. We leave no man behind. Steve Simone. (laughs) That was like, that was like. These streets aren't safe anymore. Oh, yeah. He goes, these streets are talking. I saw. (laughs) When you told me this story, I lost it. Yeah. So, but this is before that. This was before. Oh, it was just oh. check it in. So, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. dude, like we we did we did the lockdown like Goodfellas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joey would go buy food and I would cook it and bring it over. Oh, it's like slicing. He's like, I haven't had <laughs> linguine and clams. Do you know how to make that? I go, I don't know. He goes, You'll figure it out. I got some beautiful clams. And then it was the best clam sauce we've ever had. It's like the only thing that I wish we had the good bread. You can't cook good bread to dip. It's just in to waste the sauce. So then what? Bill Burr called. Yeah, and he was like, what are we going to do to help people? And I remember going like, all right, I spent 20 years in this city. I didn't make it. But the two funniest guys on earth just called me to check and see if I needed anything. It's crazy. That's making it. Two funniest guys on earth checking to see if I was okay. And you had mentioned Bobby Lee. Yeah. Talking he about funny had reached people. out like I hadn't talked to him in months. It's like like maybe June of 2020, May. I hadn't seen him, and he just texted. He was like, "Hey man, are you good for money?" He goes, "I know wow. nobody's working the road." He goes, "If you need help, I can help you." Wow. Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee was the first guy to put me on stage at the comedy store. Was he really? Really. Bobby Lee was one. Joey Diaz was two, and believe it or not, Rogan was three. Get out of town, dude. Because Rogan had a friend. That was showcasing for Mitzi. That was such a big deal. And Rogan, because he's such a good-hearted dude, wanted to make sure the energy in the room was 
as good as possible for his friend. So he hosted. And this is a funny story. Rogan hosted for this guy. Yeah, he hosted open mic. So this guy would have a chance to succeed. That's a hell of a friend. getting passed by Mitzi. And uh, I'd been, I'd gone to L.A. on a vacation. I moved to L.A. And honestly, I'd watch people do stand-up. And I wasn't there yet, but I'd watch people do stand-up. And I'm like, I'm as good as that guy, you know? And that particular night, Rogan was wearing like a bucket hat. Yeah. And he wasn't at, he was famous, but he wasn't as famous as he is now. He was on the show News Radio. Yeah, he was News Radio Rogan at that point. Yeah. yeah. And I'd never, I never met him before. I'd never seen him do stand up. I'm not making a connection between the face and the TV yet. Oh. And I'm just like, this guy kind of looks familiar. Whatever. He's Joey Diaz's friend. Mm hmm. Joey's like, you got to put my man Steve Simone on. And Rogan's like, he's not on the list. He goes, he's on the list because I say he's on the list. <laughs> yeah. That's the best. And this is like my third open mic. I'm already friends with Joey Diaz. Wow. Yeah. And um, Wild. then I Joe brings me up. I have a pretty good set. And then the way the host of the open mic would go, they'd end the open mic, then they would do a set. And he crushed, Joe Rogan crushed in a way where I got sick to my stomach because I went, if this dude's just, if this dude's hosting open mics oh. and hasn't made it yet, I'm like, I don't have a chance. Oh, I go, my no. car's not good enough to turn around. It's going to fall apart in Texas. I go, I've ruined my life. Honestly, that's a real story. Dude, I'm that's like, horrible. I go, this dude's hosting open mics. This town must be impossible to make it. Man. I, that was the thought I had. And then because we're all head cases. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait, oh, it's the news radio guy. Oh, he yeah. drives the Batmobile. He had like, <laughs> he had one of those like Acura sports cars that goes 200 miles. And I'm like, oh, the guy's a millionaire. Thank God. Oh, all right. I still have a shot. I still have a shot. I thought he was some guy living with Fat James. Yeah, right. living, I'm with going, this town's impossible. Living with Fat James. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Dude, what a roller coaster. Incredible. Roller coaster. I mean, wow. Crazy. <sighs> yeah. But here we are. Astonishing yeah. stuff, man. Wow. <laughs> Dude, thanks for spending some time with us, yeah, man. Yeah, it's incredible, right? Yeah. This wow. is great. Yeah. I hope I don't bomb tonight. Now I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this podcast went so great. Well, it's time to go bomb in front of your nephews. <laughs> you, re you really are from Philly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't. You can't not. Yeah. Steve Simone, uh, Alan Hill, Soul Joel. Bring them out. Thanks again. Bonus content. We're ready, man. All right. Let's, let's do, it. do it. You ready, brother? Yeah. yeah. All right. Just have fun. Yeah, I love having fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. We got the right guy, man. <laughs>